Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 18. We're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Revelation. I wasn't here last week, and thanks for Brian and Blake taking my place. And uh, we're uh, back in the book of Revelation. We finished chapter 17 last time. We're going to look at all of chapter 18. This time it's 24 verses, but we're going to go really quickly through it. We're seeing what we call the fall of economic Babylon. And as we realize, there is a city that in the, in the tribulation time of the city of Babylon will be rebuilt. It'll be the capital of the world. The Antichrist will be there. There'll be a religious aspect of it. We'll talk more about that last week or last time I'll remind you and there's an economic part of it and we'll see that again this morning and this is going to be the fall of the city and so what we've been seeing is there's a city a religious system an economic system and it's all based on Babylon and when you think about Babylon it all goes all the way back it uh, refers to man's rebellion going all the way back to the Tower of Babel all of those kind of things and so as we look at this morning we'll see the fall of and, and we'll end up seeing both the fall religiously and economically and how it all ties to together. Uh, you remember that during the tribulation, the Antichrist comes to power, and he claims to be God, and he demands that you take the mark of the beast. 666 is either there or here, and you can't buy or sell anything unless you have the mark of the beast. That's where it goes back to this city of Babylon, and we're going to see that God is going to judge that city, and we'll see how it ties together. When you think about the Bible, we always talk about the grace of God, and Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works as anyone should boast. So we understand that God in his grace saves us. We also realize that his mercy, Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness we've done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. And so we actually see in the Bible the grace and the mercy of God, and grace is getting what you don't deserve, and mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And, and when you look at the Bible, we say, wow, that's, that's how God deals with us, his grace of God, sending his son Jesus, dying and paying for sin. And, and then when we think about it, though, when people reject the grace and the mercy of God, what comes then is the judgment of God. And in chapter 17 and 18 of the book of Revelation, and I'll be, be honest with you, I'll be glad when we're through with chapter 18 because chapter 19, 20, 21, and 22 are the, are the most special chapters we're going to see, in, not only in the book of Revelation, but maybe in the whole Bible. So it's just incredible what we see there. Uh, when we look at this, uh, you see the judgment, how God judges because they've rejected the grace and the mercy of God. Let me just remind you of where we are, how things fit together. <clears throat> Most of us, we know this, but I just want to go over it again. Jesus Christ came to the earth. This is his first coming to the earth. He came to die on the cross, pay for sin, and rise again. He did that, walked on the earth 40 days, and ascended back into heaven. We're in the church age now. This is those who have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, whether you're Jew or Gentile, in one body. That's the church age. One of these days, Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds. There'll be a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him. It's called the rapture. It could happen at any second. If you have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, any second Jesus Christ could come and take us off the face of the earth. Following that, there's going to be a time, and we're not sure how it's going to work because we know there's going to be a ten-king federation from the Ten King Federation will come one man we call the Antichrist. It's possible the Ten King Federation could be formed before the rapture. We don't know, but I think it's probably going to be afterwards, and there's going to be a man of sin come. He makes a peace pact with the nation of Israel, and that starts the tribulation.
tribulation. Let me remind you, the rapture does not begin the tribulation. The rapture takes the church out. The tribulation begins when the Antichrist signs a peace pact with the nation of Israel. That peace pact lasts for seven years. That's what we're seeing in the book of Revelation, basically from chapter 6 through 19. That's the tribulation time period. At the end of that time period, there's going to be, of course, wars and all the kinds of things. Jesus Christ is going to come back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's going to be already a fall of Babylon religiously. There's going to be a fall of the city, but we'll see it this morning. And then Jesus Christ is coming back. He sets up a kingdom that lasts for a thousand years. That's Revelation chapter 20. Following that will be a new heaven, a great white throne judgment and a new heaven and a new earth. That's Revelation chapters 21 and 22. So we're going to see all of that. And let me just, now let me give you a little more detail. This is the seven-year time period. We talked about it. It's divided into two parts. The first part's called the tribulation. Second part's called the great tribulation. In the first three and a half years, the peace pact, the Antichrist makes a peace pact. So it starts with peace. It goes to war. It goes to famine. It goes to death. And then halfway through, the Antichrist goes in the, in the temple in Jerusalem, puts his idol up. It's called the abomination desolation found in Daniel and Matthew 24. And he claims to be God. From that point on, I think that's the fall of religious Babylon. We talked about it in chapter 17. And now this final three and a half years, we see the seven trumpet judgments, the seven bowl judgments, all kind of things are going on. And Jesus Christ is getting ready for him to come back. We're going to see at the end, this city is going to fall. We're going to see it today. And the kingdoms of the world come together in a place called the Valley of Jezreel. There is a mountain called Armageddon, Ar- Mountain Megiddo. We always say Armageddon because it comes from that. They've gathered together to go and attack the city of Jerusalem and that's when Jesus Christ comes back and we're going to see how that ties together. That's going to be a little bit more later in chapter 19, but this is where we are. So we are at basically almost at the end. The fall of economic Babylon, which is chapter 18, we're going to see that today, is about to happen and then it's not. we get to chapter 19, Jesus is coming back. So it's powerful. If, if what I would do if I were you, it, just for fun, you ought to read uh, it by next week. Read chapters 19, 20, 21, and 22. Read the rest of the book, especially highlight chapter 19. That's what we're going to look at next week when we see the return of Jesus Christ and those kind of things. So it's really, really powerful. Uh, so what we have seen in chapter 17, it was the fall of religious Babylon. In chapter 18 this morning, we're going to see the fall of economic, uh, the, the economy. This is the city where everybody's got to have the, uh, he put the thing out and said, you can't buy or sell anything unless you have the mark of the beast. The book of Isaiah talks about the second coming of Jesus Christ and the judgment that's found in Isaiah 13. You might look at that sometime. Here is the outline for our passage this morning. And I'm going to go very quickly. There are 24 verses. But some of the verses are longer, and we're just going to read through some of them. I'm going to put it together for you so you can see this. Uh, to be real honest with you, I'm anxious to get to chapter 19. So anyway, we're going to see it. Here's, the, here's uh, chapter 18. It begins with the, the judgment on Babylon and the fall and what he talks about. And he talks about the response of the earth. What, what do the unbelievers think when the city of Babylon falls? And then we're going to see he talks a little bit more about it at the end. We'll see how those things tie together. Let me remind you of something. At the time of the Antichrist, at the time of the book of the tribulation, the city of Babylon, which was a great city, the Syrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, all of that, that has fallen and that has not been rebuilt. 
But sometime during the tribulation, that city of Babylon will be rebuilt and it'll be the capital of the world. That's what they think. There will be the religious part for a while. There will be the economic part. And then, at a certain time, then over in Jerusalem is the temple will be rebuilt. What's going to happen is the Antichrist is going to go into the temple in Jerusalem and claim to be God. That changes the whole religious thing and, then, and basically Babylon falls as being a religious head and it goes to Jerusalem. And then we're going to see the end of the city. It's going to fall and we'll see it today. So when we think of the book of Revelation, think of Jerusalem where the temple is and an idol in the temple claiming to be God of the Antichrist or the beast. And then think of Babylon, a city, the biggest city in the world at that time where all the economic stuff goes by. You can't buy or sell unless you have the mark of the beast. We're going to see the fall of that city in chapter 18. That's what's going to happen. We're also seeing what we're calling the final seven events. What I'm going to do next week, if I can think, remember it, I'm going to put up for you the, let, let the seven last things in the book of Revelation. They all tie together into where we are right here, and I'll try to put that up for you next time. So let's see the fall of economic Babylon. Look at chapter 18, look at verse 1. John has been seeing all kinds of things. Now, let me remind you, for some of you who may not have been here before, that the book of Revelation was written by, the, by John. John is the man who wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He was on the Isle of Patmos because that was an island, and he was exiled out there because of his stand for Jesus Christ. While he was out there on the Lord's Day, he got a vision from God. God took him to heaven and gave him all the information which is in the book of Revelation. So how do we know the end time events? Because God revealed them to John. John wrote them down and called the book the book of Revelation. Okay? And that's how it ties together. So John is seeing this. He's been seeing all these different things. Now he sees something else. Chapter 18, verse 1. After these things I saw, this is John, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. So he sees this, this angel. After these things, the religious system has already fallen. We saw that back in chapter 17. And so now he sees an angel coming down, and this angel is very obviously very very powerful, and the religious system has already been turned into the worship of the beast. Think about that. The Jewish people rebuild their temple during the tribulation time period, and they're worshiping, and, and suddenly this man comes in with the false prophet, puts an idol that looks like him, that talks, speaks, and moves, and he puts it in the temple and says, I'm God, worship my idol. That's what's going to happen. And that was basically the fall of Babylon as far as religion, but it's now turned to, to Jerusalem. So look what happens. He said, I saw this angel coming down, and this angel has a lot of authority. And he cried out, verse 2, with a loud voice saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. Well, we look at that, and he says, the city has fallen. Babylon has fallen. The system in the city has fallen. And he says, this is the place, this is the place where the evil demonic forces are in control. Now, I want you to think about this. We always say the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. At this time, there is what we call the unholy Trinity. It is Satan, the, the, the Antichrist or the beast, and the false prophet. And so here's this city is about to fall, and he says, it is the dwelling place of demons and the prison of every unclean spirit. And then then he says something that's really weird. A prison of every unclean and hateful bird. 
I have no idea what that means. And, and I don't think anybody else does either. We don't know. He's saying <clears throat> that this city is corrupt and evil. And this is the place where demonic forces are there. And then notice what he goes on to say because he's going to talk about the nations of the world. And look what he says. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. Now, just remember, this is all rebellion against God. And in the Bible, whenever people worship false gods, God calls it prostitution. He calls calls it adultery. Whenever people worship something false, it's called adultery. And so notice it says here, all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her. She's like the prostitute and people have gone after her. And it says, and the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. And so people become rich because they, they took the mark of the beast. Now let me remind you of something. In the tribulation, many people will believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Many people, will, they will never take the mark of the beast. They will run. The Jewish people, 144,000 at the beginning, they will lead many Jewish people to Christ. We've already seen the Jewish people are running for their lives. They're going to a place called Petra or Sela. It's, it's, it's a place in Jordan today. They're running for their lives. Christians, and when I call them Christians, we'll just call them believers. When they believe in Jesus Christ during the tribulation, they're not taking the mark of the beast. They can't buy or sell anything. They are running for their lives and Many of them, and let me say it, I said it in the first service, not just many of them will be killed, most of them will be killed. And so they're running for their lives, and this is this economic place, this is the place, and it says that they've done all of this, this stuff. And just remember this, that mankind, religion can never satisfy, because you can't please God. The mankind is sinful, and we fall short of the glory of God, and religion is man trying to do something to get to God. True Christianity is God so loved the world, he gave his son. It's all, Jesus does it all. Materialism can never satisfy. We're going to see all kind of things listed in this passage and it can never satisfy. So this false system of religion and this false system of materialism and purchasing and buying and selling, it, it, it becomes nothing. Now, God gives a warning and, and it's a warning to the believers. Watch in verse 4. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins and receive her plagues. There are believers all over the world. There's some going to be in this city. And he's saying to them, get out. I'm about to judge the city. By the way, this city is going to be destroyed. It's going to be destroyed and never built again. If you go back to the book of Isaiah, it talks about the city, Babylon, and it says it will never be rebuilt again. Well, I think what that's what they call the near and the far prophecy. The near prophecy was he's talking about how Babylon had gotten destroyed, but then the far prophecy is when it's rebuilt in, in, in the time of the tribulation, it will be destroyed to never be built again. And that's how I think that ties together. So anyway, uh, it, it says, get out, get out, get out. And let me just say something. Don't, he's saying, don't get entangled with the ways of the world. And let me just say this for us. It is easy for believers to get caught up in the world system. You've heard me say this over and over. If you're not consciously being transformed by the word of God, you will unconsciously be conformed to this world. 
If you're not consciously taking the word of God, putting it in your brain, being transformed by the scripture, you will unconsciously be shaped by the patterns of this world. That's why Romans 12 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies. And he goes on to say, stop being conformed to the world, be transformed by the word of God. And that's why it is so easy, uh, I put it right there, so easy for believers to get caught up. And he's telling them, get out, run for your lives. That city is about to be destroyed. And, and that's what's going to happen. And there's an old saying that says, separate yourself from fellowship with the world or the world will separate your fellowship from God. And that's possible. Okay, so be careful. So watch what he says. He says this in verse five, your sins, her sins have piled up as high as heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Listen, God's gonna deal with them. God's gonna deal with sin. Sometimes we don't think about that. We say, well, you know, God is a God of grace and love, and he is, but there are always consequences. As Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you sow with the flesh, you reap corruption. If you sow with the spirit, you reap life, eternal life. And so he says that, and he's gonna bring judgment. And sometimes we think about God, and we say God loves us, and he loves all people, and he does. But when they reject the grace and the mercy of God, the only thing left is the judgment of God, and it's coming on the city of Babylon, and it's coming on the unbelievers during the time of the tribulation. And look what he says in verse 6, because the angel, this other angel found in verse 4, this is a new angel talking, says, pay her back as she has paid. Give back to her double according to her deeds. In the cup which she has mixed, mix twice as much for her. He's saying, really, go get her. Go destroy the city. Do that. And it is a great truth that you always reap more than you sow. That's just the way it is. And, and, and vengeance belongs to the Lord. And just remember, this is God who's bringing the judgment. It is always, uh, when you look at this scripture, it is God who brings the judgment on the world. And this tribulation time period, it is so horrible. We've talked over and over and said, we want all our friends, we want people to believe in Christ for eternal life. So when the rapture comes, they'll be taken off the face of the earth and they'll not have to go through this time period. And so he He's talking about uh, vengeance belongs to the Lord. Double, he, all, it, it, he says, double the judgment on them because we always, it's always that way. Look at verse seven. He says, uh, to the decree she has glorified herself and lived sensuously. To the same degree, give her torment and mourning. For she says in her heart, I'm a queen. I'm not a widow and I will never see mourning. By the way, when we talk about vengeance and it says vengeance belongs to the Lord, sometimes people do you wrong. Sometimes people hurt you. Sometimes it's not on purpose. Sometimes it is on purpose. Never get them back. The goal is, in fact, the Bible says, leave vengeance to the Lord. Never return evil with evil. Return evil with good. We don't try to get people back. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. And that's what we see in this passage. And so he says he's going to bring judgment on them. And it's going to be a powerful thing. And we're going to see it very quickly uh, in, in, in that level verse 7, she says, I'm a queen. I'm not a widow and I'll never see mourning. You know what that is? That's called pride. Pride caused the fall of Satan. Pride caused the fall of man. Pride is going to cause the fall of the city of Babylon in the tribulation time period. She is saying as the city, I'm a queen. I sit not as a widow. And that's what she's saying. I'm not a widow. I will never go into mourning. But look at verse 8. For this reason, in one day, her plagues will come pestilence and mourning and famine and she will be burned up with fire the whole city is going to be destroyed for the Lord God who judges is strong it is God who 
does it. And look at this says, in one day, at one particular time, God is going to join to judge that city, and the plagues will come. Notice it says, there will be pestilence and mourning and famine. People will die. There'll be sadness. There'll be no food. There'll be nothing. All of this is coming upon that city. Let me remind you of where this is. This is near the very end of the tribulation, the seven-year time period. Jesus is about to come. He's already judging that city. And we're going to see it, and we're seeing it in this chapter, that the city goes to nothing. And it's, it's, it's powerful what happens. How does the fallen world judge this? Now think about this. How does this world of people who have taken the mark of the beast, who are buying and selling because that's, that's the center of the world, what's going to happen when the city crashes? What's going to happen when the city falls? How will the world respond? Look at verse 9, 9 and 10, the kings of the world. Look what it says. And the kings of the earth who have committed acts of immorality and lived sensibly with her, remember it's, it's used the idea of, of uh, prostitution and stuff, they will weep and lament over her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment, saying, Whoa, whoa, the great city Babylon, the strong city, for in one hour your judgment has come. <clears throat> it came fast. In one hour. It was over. Just like that, God brings the judgment. And what happens to the merchants, the economic system, under the direction of the Antichrist, they can buy or sell with the mark of the beast. Let me read this to you. This is chapter 13. Don't turn back there, but listen to this. And he, the Antichrist, causes all, the small and the great and the rich and the poor and the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number. Here is wisdom. Let us calculate. He says, for the number is a man and the number is 666. Now, we saw that back in chapter 13. So in this city, all these people have taken the mark of the beast. They're not believers. They're, they're living off the city of Babylon, and suddenly the whole thing crashes. It's over. The city goes to nothing. And it says, and the merchants, look at verse 11, it says, and the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargo anymore. And so he's going to list, and, and I want to do this, for, I'm going to do it very quickly. He's going to list a bunch of things in verses 12 and 13. Listen to this. Cargoes of gold and silver and precious stone, pearls, fine linen, purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of wood, every kind of ivory, every kind of costly wood and bronze and iron and marble and cinnamon and spice, incense, perfume, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, cargoes of horses, and then he ends it with cargoes of slaves and human lives. Look at that. Slave, slavery, human trafficking. That's all going on in that city during the tribulation. All of these bad things that you can think about. And the city is about to collapse. And they look and they say, we're not going to get to sell any of our stuff anymore. It goes on and says in verse 14, And the fruit you long for has gone from you. All the things that were luxurious and splendid have passed away from you, and you'll no longer find them. And what do these people do? What do all these people do? Verse 15, the merchants of these things who became rich from her will stand at a distance because of the fear of her torments and weeping and mourning. And they're saying, whoa, whoa, the great city who was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour, such great wealth has been laid waste. 
and every shipmaster and every passenger and sailor and as many who made their living by the sea stood at a distance and they were crying out as they saw the smoke of her burning saying, what city is like this great city? It says in one hour, which means when the judgment came, it came swiftly. When you reject the love and the grace of God, you will ultimately get the judgment of God. And the truth is, at this time, this, this is the time when God will not hesitate. It will not take a long time. Judgment is swift. And this is the, the fall of the city. And at this time, the fall of the city, as well as the religious and economic system, are all coming to an end. Now, let me tell you, I'm going to put this up. Look what's next. The next great event is the return of Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to see it, and we're going to see it soon. Not this morning, but we're going to see it very soon. How does the world respond to what we find? Look at verse 19. And this is the world, uh, man's side, they mourn. And they threw dust on their heads, and they were crying out and weeping and mourning, saying, Woe, woe, the great city in which all who had ships at sea became rich by her wealth, and in one hour she's been laid waste. All the unbelievers are crying out. But how does it look from God's side? Look at verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets. Why? Because God has pronounced judgment for you against them against that city, against that, that, against that place. Wow. So rejoice in heaven, the saints, the apostles, and the prophets. There's joy for those who have followed God and who have believed in Christ that, and, and they didn't follow the rebellious system. Do you remember back in Revelation chapter 6, there was the throne of God and the 24 elders and the four living creatures and God on the throne and Jesus at, at the right hand. And all of a sudden, there were these, all these people and John said, who are all these people? And they were all singing and they were crying out. And the angel says, John, these are those who were killed in the great tribulation. And they're asking for judgment. This is the judgment. And it's going to happen here. And it's going to happen in chapter 19. God will judge the unbelievers. God will make all things right. He always does. Then look, in verse 21, it's symbolic, using a millstone, like it says. Then a strong angel took up a stone like a great millstone, threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will not be found any longer. That's the end of the city. It's going to be over. He's going to destroy the, the economic Babylon. He's going to describe it. Now look at verse 22 and 23. <clears throat> And the sound of the harpist and musicians and flute players and trumpeters will not be heard any longer. There's not going to be any music. And no craftsman of any craft will be found in you any longer. There won't be anybody make anything. And the sound of a meal will not be heard in you any longer. There'll be no food. There'll be nothing. And the light of a lamp will not shine in you any longer. It's going to be dark. It's going to be destroyed. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride will not be heard in you any longer. There'll be nobody ever get married there again. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, 
because of all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. I want to show you that the system's going to be destroyed. There'll be no music, no craftsmen, no sound of a meal, no light, no marriages. And notice how that verse ends. For all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. We're studying angels and demons on Wednesday night in our SBI class, my Bible Institute class. And we've talked about that there's a demonic world, of course. There's the true God, the Father, Son, the Spirit. Then there's Satan, who's an angel. He's not a God. He's an angel, and there are other angels with him. We call them demons or unclean spirits. There is a fallen world, and the demonic forces have a false view, have a false system. This says they were deceived by your sorcery. By the beast and the false prophet, they deceived the world. And let me tell you what the message is. You know what the deception message is? The deception message is you can be your own God. You can do what you want to do. All you have to do is live how you want to live, and you'll be okay. And if you try to do good, the real God might like you. If not, you become your own God because you don't need God. You do whatever you want to do. Satan's lie is that you can do good and get to God. First of all, you can't do good, and you, 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 God already loves you and has a plan to save you. And so the satanic view and this sorcery view is that, that you can be your own God. That's what, that's what this is, why did Satan fall? I want to be like the most high God. Why did man fall? When Eve saw it and she said, it looked good, it looked good to eat, and it will make me wise and I will be like God. Pride is being like God. If you say, this is what I want to do because I want to do it, what you're saying is, I'm God. And in the tribulation, the whole false system, and even in this world today, the false system is you can be God. You can live your life the way you want to live it, do what you want to do. You're not accountable to anyone. The truth is you are accountable to the living God. He created you, he made you, and he has provided a way of salvation for you. And so look what it says about this city, verse 24. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on the earth. These people killed, killed for their faith. Now just picture this, at the tribulation time period, you're a believer. You have come to believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. You never take the mark of the beast. You're running for your life. They are hunting you down, trying to kill you. Because you believe in the true God, Jesus Christ. And it says, in this city was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and of all those who have been slain on the earth. I said it earlier, not, not many people will be killed. Most people will be killed in the tribulation. The blood of the saints. The city is going to fall the religious system has fallen already when the Antichrist takes over and claims to be God. The economic system falls at the judgment of God. And the very next event will be the return of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to read you something. So just listen. This is the return of Jesus Christ. John says, I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. Who is this? This is Jesus. He is the way and the truth and the life. It says his eyes are a flame of fire. On his head are many crowns. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies which are in heaven are clothed in fine linen, white and clean. They were following him on white horses. Do you know who that is? 
That is us. We are coming back with Jesus Christ. He is coming back to conquer the world, to end the battle that they all coming together. We always call it the battle of Armageddon. Armageddon, they're coming together. Jesus Christ is coming back, and we are coming back with him, but we're not fighting. He's fighting. Listen to this. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with that he may strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And then the next verse says, And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's our Savior, Jesus Christ, coming back to rule this world. That's the next event. So we're through chapter 18, and we're about to get ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Let me give you some quick applications. First of all, just remember man's rebellion will always fail. Always will, always will. It began all the way back to Cain, who rebelled, all the way through the Tower of Babel, and all the way up through the tribulation. Man has always tried to get to God in his own way, or tried to be God. Well, first of all, religion is man trying to be good enough to get to God. You can't do it. Materialism, things are temporary. We, we listed that list of all those things there, and guess what? Every one of those things are temporary. We don't need them. And so man's rebellion will fail, God will bring judgment. And that, with that, vengeance belongs to the Lord. He is the one that brings the judgment. And uh, never, we, we don't get people back. People hurt you. Don't try to get them back. Leave it to the Lord. In fact, it says, uh, as much as possible, live, with, live at peace with all people and do good to those that hurt you. I mean, that's what it says. And God says, don't worry about it. They're not getting away with anything. God will deal with it. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. That's what Romans 12 to 12, uh, verses 17 through 21 talks about. The third thing, and just remember this, we reap what we sow. That city has sown uh, evil, killing people, false religion, everything. They will reap and they will be destroyed. That city will be destroyed. For an unbeliever, when you reject God and reject the grace and mercy of God, there will be judgment. For the believers, when we have sin in our lives, God will discipline us because he loves us beyond what we can imagine. That's why Galatians 6, 7 says this. I saw this the other day. I thought, I thought just thinking about how what we do has consequences. Listen to this. The rebellious teenager who leaves home because he doesn't like the restrictions may find himself alone, cold, and possibly abused. Or how about the athlete who bets on his team to make extra money may be banned from the sport that he loves. Or how about the student who fails to study, cheats to get the mark needed for the scholarship, and is caught and loses the scholarship. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you also reap. Uh, we want to live in such a way that we hear our Savior Jesus Christ say, well done, good and faithful servant.